Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I'm Molly Nelson, host of the podcast here with Rochelle Smith. She's the producer of this podcast. And with us is Lauren Merkel. He's a certified financial fiduciary, a certified financial planner, and a retirement income certified professional. Today, we're talking about IRAs, individual retirement accounts. They've helped millions of people save for retirement. But because IRAs were created by, well, the government, they're kind of complex, Lauren. And you know what we don't want people to do when it comes to their IRA? is make mistakes because it can cost them. It can cost them a lot of money. They are complex, but it's what I would call sneaky complex. Because they seem basic. Almost everybody who invests in a 401k plan or an employer-sponsored plan and then retires or leaves a job has an IRA. Uh, Whether you've contributed to it out of earned income or you've rolled it over from an employer-sponsored plan, you have... Uh, many people have an IRA, so it seems kind of elementary. You roll some money to an IRA, you kind of let it grow, invest it, and you know it's for this far off time when you're going to retire. Could be 20 years away, could be 10 years away, but eventually you're going to need it in retirement. So it seems kind of basic, but then you you start to break down all the rules of IRAs, and you, you realize it gets complex in a hurry. And this is where the mistakes tend to happen, is because it is sneaky complex. <laughs> There's a lot of what ifs, a lot of what if I do this, what if I do that, and to add complexity on top of it, legislation around IRAs changes all the time as well. So you have to stay up with the changing legislation also. It's worth saying too, I think, that the term IRA, again, individual retirement account, that is not an investment. That is just how what the IRS kind of labels whatever you have invested under this label, right? Just same as like Roth. That's a, that's more of an IRS label. That's not a label that financial advisors have given or retirement uh, planners have given these kinds of investments. All, all an IRA is, is a tax shelter. So it's the umbrella over your investments. And then you can have just about any type of investment you want to underneath an, an IRA, whether you have an IRA at the bank and it's a, a money market account or a CD, or you have an IRA at a custodian where you're investing in mutual funds or ETFs or stocks or bonds. You can have just about any type of investment you want underneath the IRA. The IRA and the type of IRA that you have determines how and when you pay taxes on the IRA. So a traditional IRA, you're going to pay taxes on it when you take it out. The growth on the money is going to be tax deferred, which means you're not paying taxes on it every single year. In contrast, that with the Roth IRA, where you you pay taxes on the money that goes into the Roth IRA, and then you never pay taxes on the earnings. As long as you have qualified distributions, it comes out 100% tax-free. Back to the tax-deferred part of the traditional IRA, the growth is not taxed annually, but clearly taxed as regular income when you go to use it in retirement? It's taxed as ordinary income when you take it out. You have a qualified distribution, then you're going to pay taxes at whatever federal tax bracket you're in. Okay, we're going to say the word taxes a lot today, Rochelle. <laughs> I should keep tally. Have you read your uh, tax code lately? Your oh, I US haven't. Federal t- you haven't? Nope, I'm not Sean. Well, I don't know. Yes, we do, have a, <laughs> we do have a CPA here at Merkle Retirement Planning. Now, he doesn't file taxes, but he was a CPA in his formal life, so he's probably at least scanned this thing. But you guys, how many pages? Did you see it on the outline, or do you, what's your guess? How many pages? Oh, I just in saw the, it. You saw you just looked <laughs> I down. I just looked down, and I was like, oh, that's what it was. I did see it on the outline. What is it? Two million? Two thousand six hundred pages with more than one million words. The US federal tax code. Did you say two million? 
pages? Yeah. Two so million? Did you see that? I transposed it. Ah. So, so the, the two, what is it? One million? Two million? <laughs> it's um, Let me look at the outline. Pages. Do you do numbers for a living? I just want to double check that we have the right person well, here. Unlike Sean, I don't on vacation read the tax code. Isn't that what he said the last time? He, was <laughs> he did. He might have mentioned like a Friday afternoon yeah, happy Friday hour afternoon. tax code situation. The U.S. federal tax code. 2,600 pages with more than 1 million words. And a lot of those rules apply to your IRA. So we talked about it. There are consequences to not making, you know, the right moves with your IRA. What we want to do today is talk about some of the common mistakes that can be made with an IRA so that you don't make those mistakes yourself. So Lauren, IRA mistake number one, triggering taxes. And there's a lot of mistakes that could lead to a tax event from an IRA. One of the most common ones is when people do what's called an indirect rollover. And what an indirect rollover means is let's say you have an employer-sponsored plan. In this case, let's just call it a 401k plan. You leave that employer, you retire, or you just change jobs. And you take that 401k plan and you have the custodian make that check payable to you as opposed to another custodian then that is called an indirect rollover because it's not going direct from custodian to custodian. And uh, there are some IRS rules around indirect rollovers, and this is also one of those rules that has changed. But the current rule is, is you can only do one of those in a rolling 12-month period of time. So let's say you did that in January of 2022, and then you did another one in November of 2022. Now that second indirect rollover is a hundred percent taxable because it's not allowed by the IRS code. If you did one in May of 2022, you cannot do another one in February of 2023 because it hasn't been a full 12 months since you did it. So that indirect rollover is also a hundred percent taxable. And this, this happens out happens quite a bit because sometimes, uh, well, first of all, a lot of people just don't know about that rule. And a lot of people are not familiar with that rule change that took place a couple of years ago. Um, but you might talk to somebody and they might say, Hey, just, uh, just take that. And this happens with IRAs too. So you have an IRA to custodian, just, uh, just have a mail, mail you a check. And then you can deposit in, into this other IRA. And then six months later, they have another benefit event with another job and then they try to do that same exact thing and then that second one becomes 100% taxable which is a big no-no. Okay so I want to avoid this mistake what do I do? You do what is considered a direct rollover so instead of having the check made payable to your name you have the check made payable to the custodian so let's say you have an IR, a 401k plan at Fidelity then you separate service from that employer. Uh, you are moving that IRA to a Vanguard IRA or you're moving that money to a Vanguard IRA. You have the check payable to Vanguard for the benefit of yourself. That is considered a direct rollover and you can do an unlimited amount of those in any, any period of time. And it probably goes without saying, but that first uh, triggering taxes, the mistake part, clearly you don't want to claim any more money on ordinary income than you have to because that could push you into the next tax bracket. Clearly, you'd pay more taxes. Well, plus you lose the tax deferred status. I mean, one of the most powerful things of the IRA or the 401k plan is that money grows tax deferred. So you don't have to pay taxes on the earnings every single year. And when that uh, when you enter an indirect rollover incorrectly, then it becomes a disqualifying uh, event, and you're going to pay. You're going to lose that tax deferred growth on that money. Another. IRA mistake that's possible, Lauren, is to make an RMD error. 
This is a big mistake because when you do not satisfy your RMD correctly, so required minimum distribution, and for most people now at 72, you are mandated to take distributions from your IRA. So when you do not satisfy that within the appropriate amount of time, now you have a 50% penalty on that amount that you are supposed to take out. So if your required minimum distribution was $12,000 and you did not take the $12,000 out, you pay a $6,000 penalty and you still have to take the $12,000 out, which is still taxable. And something else you see sometimes, Lauren, an IRA mistake is an RMD error. So the RMD, that's required minimum distribution. For most people now at age 72, you're mandated to take a distribution uh, starting at age 72 from your IRAs. And if you're not working with an employer, from your 401k plan as well. Uh, when you don't satisfy your complete RMD, then you have a 50% penalty on the amount that you didn't completely satisfy. So let's say you have a $12,000 RMD requirement. You didn't take any of that required distribution within the uh, allotted time. Then you have a 50% or $6,000 penalty, plus you still have to take out the $12,000 and you pay taxes on the $12,000 that you have to take out. So I have to pay $6,000 to the IRS you for not doing that? Just as a penalty. Ugh. So that's $6,000 you can't recoup. It doesn't go towards your tax bill. It's just a penalty you owe the IRS, and then you still have to take out the $12,000. Now, we, we've seen that a lot recently uh, because of the legislative change. So 2020, that was COVID year. And be, with the COVID Relief Act, you did not have to take out your RMD in 2020. But in 2021, you did. And a lot of people just thought, well, we didn't have to do it last year, don't have to do it this year. They didn't take it out, and then they were subject to that 50% penalty. And that RMD, that's on you, especially if you're not working with a retirement planner, right? Is it on you to, to, to take it out, or how does it work? It's on you regardless. So whether you're working with a retirement planner or not, it is you who is responsible for taking that out. Uh, a lot of times a retirement planner will help you identify this as the amount you need to take out, but do not depend on that. It is ultimately your responsibility. You also receive a letter you should from your custodian saying that this is the amount that you have to take out for this year. You have to take it out by this time, but that amount, I, be, I wouldn't depend upon that because maybe you don't receive the letter. Uh, maybe it's email communication. You don't receive the email communication. Just know that by the end of the year, so not by tax filing, not April 1st or April 15th, but by the end of the year, 1231, you have to have that distribution out. What about if you inherit an IRA? Same rules? Well, it, that, that depends. So it depends on if you and who you inherited it from. If you inherited it from your spouse and you moved it to your name and you're under RMDH, then you're not required to take a distribution. If your spouse was of RMDH and you moved it to an inherited IRA then you would have to take a distribution. If you uh, moved it to your IRA, you inherited from a spouse, and you are of RMDH, then you do have to take a distribution. Are you see following how, this? See, see how fun this is? <laughs> I like got lost. Do you see how, do you, that, right. how we started this whole IRA conversation is it's sneaky complex. And this is why there's so many mistakes that take place because there are so many different rules and there's so many what ifs, right? What if you are married? What if you received it from a sibling? What if you received it from an aunt and uncle? All those, all those uh, rules that apply are different based on a lot of different scenarios.
We know that your retirement scenario is unique to you. So maybe you have inherited an IRA or you have an IRA, or you just want to talk about some of the aspects of retirement. Here's a great opportunity. It's a 15 minute complimentary retirement checkup call. You can schedule one today by going to MerkleRetire.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E retire.com. Lauren, you've been having a lot of these 15 minute uh, checkup calls. Do you find that most of the pre-retirees and retirees you talk to have an IRA? Uh, most people do. Uh, we work with those within 10 years of retiring or already retired. So the vast majority of people who are calling in from all over the country have some sort of an IRA, whether it's a traditional IRA, a rollover IRA, a Roth IRA, an old employer plan, a current employer plan, or all of the above. Uh, and so they have a lot of questions on the nuances of the types, types of investments and accounts they have. But most commonly, they just want to talk about retiring because that's what you're trying to accomplish. You might be two years away. You might be 12 months away. You might be five years away. Uh, but you have this retirement vision in mind that may not be fully developed, but you know it's going to be coming sooner than later. And you want to have a good idea of how you're going to accomplish what your retirement vision is. Yeah, and it's fun to talk about that retirement vision. Uh, looking forward to all the fun things you're going to do in retirement. As a retirement planner, you help people get there by taking their retirement savings and making the most of it. So you don't want to see them making any IRA mistakes. Mistake number three, Lauren, understanding Roth RMDs. The Roth IRA mistake is an easy mistake to make because most people who have a Roth IRA, it's your Roth IRA. You made contributions or you made conversions to create that Roth IRA. You do not have a required minimum distribution from that IRA, but there are situations where you might be mandated to take a distribution from an I a Roth IRA. And in one of those scenarios, it's when you inherit one. So if you inherit a Roth IRA from yeah, anybody who is outside of anybody who is not your your spouse, then you would have a required minimum distribution from your Roth IRA. Also, your Roth 401k plan, if you were working with an employer, they offered a 401k plan that had a Roth component to it. You're no longer working for that employer and you leave your money underneath the Roth 401k plan, you are required to take a distribution from the Roth 401k plan, even though it's yours. So people, people will hear in passing or might be familiar with the, their Roth IRA rules as far as not being required, not being mandated to take a distribution from it. But then they have a Roth 401k plan, they don't roll it over, and they realize they should have taken a distribution but didn't, and then they have a 50% penalty on that money that they didn't take. Get out. back into giving more money to the IRS. That is not a mistake you want to make with your IRA. Mistake number four, not knowing about the QCD. Yeah, and this one has changed as well with the SECURE Act of 2020. Uh, a QCD is a Qualified Charitable Distribution, and the way it works is if you have an IRA, Starting at age 70 and a half, you can make a distribution direct to a charity and not have to pay taxes on that distribution. Some of the mistakes that take place is with the qualified charitable distribution is you do not make the check directly payable to the charity. Some people will make the distribution from the IRA, so they take receipt of it and then try to donate to the charity. Well, it's a good donation to the charity, and the charity definitely appreciates it, but it is, does not qualify as a charitable distribution from your IRA for you, which means you'll still pay taxes on the distribution. Uh, one of the, the benefits or the cool parts of the QCD is that today, with the standard deduction being so high, more than 90% of people take the standard deduction which means if you are just donating cash to a charity, 
then you're not receiving a tax benefit for that cash donation if you are uh, using the standard deduction. But with a QCD, you can receive a tax benefit in the form of not paying taxes on that distribution if you do that direct donation to the charity. So it's kind of cool. Even though you're taking the standard deduction, you can still receive a tax benefit from the qualified charitable distribution. And the IRS and all their sticky rules or sneaky rules, I am surprised that that QCD age is still 70 and a half and it doesn't match up with the RMD and that it's 72. Well, that just makes it that much more fun for the IRS, right? They, they kept the 70 and a half QCD eligibility, yeah. but they moved the RMD eligibility to 72. And I think probably by the end of this year, that RM, new RMD age eligibility is going to be 73. So hopefully they will keep the 70 and a half. Right. That does make more people eligible for that qualified charitable distribution. But yeah, it makes it a little stickier. And you can start spending down your IRA, especially if it's not a Roth IRA, you can at least start spending down some of it without having to pay all those taxes uh, when you have to make start taking RMDs. Yeah, that one of the one of the most effective tax planning strategies for a lot of retirees and pre-retirees even is to try to decrease your IRA as quickly and least expensively as possible. QCDs is an effective strategy to do that. Roth conversions can be an effective strategy to do that. Um, but a lot of people won't be familiar with the QCD rules. And so, you know, I mean, this, this country is one of the most charitable countries in the entire world. So a lot of people like to give, whether it's to a church or another qualified charity. So you've been giving all of these years, but you've been giving in the form of just writing a check or sometimes giving cash. At 70 and a half, you, a lot of people will still continue to just write a check or give cash, and they don't realize they can start taking distributions from their, their IRA tax-free in the form of that qualified charitable distribution. So it's just, it's just a matter of rethinking, replanning, reorganizing your charitable gifts and taking advantage of these rules that are available to you. IRA mistake number five, the Social Security slip. The Social Security slip is another one that doesn't make sense to a lot of people because people... Shocker. Yes, shocker. <laughs> IRS. Because we're talking about, do you owe taxes on your Social Security income? If so, how much in tax do you owe on your Social Security income? But a lot of people think about Social Security as a tax because when you're going through your working years, you are paying FICA taxes. A large part of those FICA taxes go towards the Social Security fund. So you are taxed through your working years to help fund Social Security. So a lot of people will think, well, when I'm retired and I'm taking my Social Security income, I w this was already a tax. I should get that tax free. That sounds great. I'm, I'm on board. That sounds like a great idea, it's, but... It sounds like a great idea, but the IRS likes revenue. It's another additional... It's an additional place that they can receive revenue, but it is only from some people. So the way that Social Security works is... If, you're, if you file single and you make a little over $25,000 in the year, up to 85% of your Social Security income can be subject to tax. If you file married filing jointly and you make a little over $35,000 in a year, then up to 85% of your Social Security income can be subject to tax. So if you make less than that, then it is federally tax-free. And a lot of states are not taxing you on your Social Security income as well. So it could be 100% tax-free. The Social Security slip is where now you start taking distributions from your IRA. Those are taxable distributions, which could push you past those income limits, which now your Social Security income is subject to tax. And that's where the RMD age comes into play for a lot of retirees because you may not want to take income from your 
IRAs, but at age 72, you're mandated to take distributions, and that mandated distribution could push you back or past the uh, Social Security income limits to push you into a taxable situation from from a Social Security standpoint. You know what would be nice, Lauren? Here's what would be really great. If there was some sort of an IRA that was tax-free. That would be. Wouldn't that That'd be, be great? Doesn't that sound amazing? Oh, wait a minute. S- IRA mistake number six, not understanding the power of a partial Roth conversion, which that's what I'm alluding to. The Roth, that's the IRA. I don't have to pay taxes on. Well, not not quite. You, you explain it. Not yeah, me. yeah. You have to pay taxes on the money going into it. But once the money's into it, it is tax-free. So the, the growth on the money that you have underneath the Roth, you will never pay taxes on that again as long as you take it out as a qualified distribution. So from a Roth standpoint, one of the most effective ways to get money into it is to co- convert from a pre-tax IRA. Most, most pre-retirees and retirees, the vast majority of your retirement savings time frame, meaning basically from your 20s up all the way up until your 60s, the uh, most common retirement savings account you've had access to was a 401k. And for most of those years, all you could do is have pre-tax money go into that 401k. So most, pre, most pre-retirees have the vast majority of, of your retirement saved in a pre-tax IRA. So by making a conversion from that pre-tax IRA to the Roth IRA, you're going to pay taxes on the money that you convert. But then once it's underneath the IRA, it does grow tax-free. Now, some people will look at the conversion and say, "I have, uh, you have a, a $500,000 IRA. You want me to convert that entire $500,000 to the Roth? Because you understand, any money you convert, you're going to pay taxes at your ordinary income bracket. And if you convert your full IRA, $500,000, that's going to push you into the highest federal tax bracket, which means that could be a very expensive conversion. So what we do on an on a annual basis, and this is where a lot of our conversations come back to the tax planning every single year with our families, is we uh, employ a strategy that's called f- fill up your tax bracket. So let's say you're in the 22% tax bracket, you're married finally jointly. You can have a taxable income somewhere in the range of $183,000 and still be in that 22% tax bracket. But let's say all sources of your income combined, your taxable income is about $120,000, which means you could convert about $60,000 and still only pay 22% on that conversion. So if you have a $500,000 IRA and we can convert about $60,000 a year, then that means in roughly about eight years, you're going to have that $500,000 IRA converted if, in, in fact, that makes sense within your plan. Most people, we don't want to convert the full amount because you're going to have a standard deduction throughout the course of your entire retirement, which is just free money, free otherwise would be taxable money that you don't have to pay taxes on. So there's no need in most cases to convert 100% of your pre-tax IRA. But if we can convert a big chunk of it, it's going to be growing tax-free underneath the Roth. And, uh, and then in some cases, we can make your Social Security income tax-free throughout the course of your retirement as well because there's not those RMDs coming in from your pre-tax IRA that is going to push you uh, past that Social Security slip mark. 
Yeah, and that's the true definition of long-term tax planning. Looking at tax planning not just as an annual event in April, but really looking at it, you know, as a as the rest of your life. How do we want to kind of span out your tax obligation so that ultimately you would pay less, you have more money to spend in retirement? That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about, and and you made a good uh, alluded to a good point there, which is you can't wait till April to employ your tax strategies oh, in your working career. A lot of people will wait until April, make a tax deductible contribution, and that's kind of what you're used to. But in retirement planning, really with an effective tax plan, the best retirement tax planning strategies you have to employ in that calendar year, which means your deadline is 1231 of each year. So we're having multiple conversations in most cases with our families about here's what we want to do from a tax planning strategy this year. Here's what we're thinking about for next year. And then making sure that we employ any any strategy we want to within the calendar year, and then I'm or teeing up what we want to do next year as well. Mistake number eight, not coordinating the IRA with a legacy plan. Yeah, when you incorporate a legacy plan, there's so many different components that need to go into the, the legacy plan, a lot of different considerations. One of those is what kind of money do you want to go where? Uh, there's a lot of times people will want some of their money to go to their kids or the vast majority of their money to go to their kids, but there's a component of their money that they want to go to a charity. So when you have different types of legacy ambitions where you want some money going here, some money going there, and then you have different types of retirement accounts. Some are taxable, some are tax-free. We want to make sure that we're very intentional with where that money is going to go. There's no sense in most cases, if you have a Roth IRA and a pre-tax IRA, for your Roth IRA money to go to a charity because the Roth IRA money is tax-free. The charity will not pay taxes on your charitable donation if it came from the pre-tax, but your kids will. So we want to make sure that the Roth money, the tax-free money goes to the kids because they're not going to pay taxes on it. And then we'll make sure that the charity, the charitable distribution and the charitable contribution will go to, or will come from the pre-tax IRA because the charities are not going to pay taxes on that. Because right, they're 501c3s, well. so they are tax exempt. Right. So we just want to be very intentional when it comes to your IRAs and where that money is going to go based on your legacy ambitions. So you might be wondering about your IRA and what to do with your IRA as you head to and through retirement. Again, you can talk directly to a retirement planner by scheduling a 15-minute complimentary retirement checkup call. Go to MerkleRetire.com. Also, we have a great podcast with an estate planning attorney. He talks about a lot of this legacy planning stuff and the mistakes that he sees made. His name's Charlie Bottenberg, and it was a really good conversation. I encourage you to check out that podcast as well. Thanks for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. I feel like we should throw a happy hour for Sean. And just like print out the tax code for totally. him and then set like a truly next to it on his desk after a meeting and be like, go to Chicken town, rest. bud. Chicken rest in the truly and just here's a happy hour for you. Congratulations. Oh, oh.